Good morning, church. This morning, like every Sunday morning, we will celebrate and worship our great God because we have good news. The biblical term, gospel. We have good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It doesn't take long for someone to be driving around our towns to see the many cemeteries. Royalton has eight that we know of. Over the course of 250 years, cemeteries have lined our roads and folks have been buried here with great expectation. One scholar said graveyards remind us of the brevity of life, but the resurrection, friends, ensures the brevity of death. The tomb is empty. Martin Luther said, if a person does not believe in the resurrection, he must deny in lump the gospel and everything that is proclaimed of Christ and of God, for all of this is linked together like a chain. The gospel doesn't just contain the truth that Jesus died for our sins as we celebrated a couple days ago on Good Friday. He rose from the dead. And so this morning we will continue to break down our weekly repeated reminder of the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Friday, we saw the good news of Jesus' perfect life and his substitutionary death. Easter today, this morning, is good news too as we consider and celebrate his resurrection from the dead, providing us new life. And so we'll walk through the rest of 1 Corinthians 15 and we will see three things related to the resurrection. It's truth, it's transformation, and it's triumph. Would you pray with me? I'm gonna pray a prayer for a Puritan prayer book uh, from the Valley of Vision uh, related to the resurrection. Great was the joy of Israel's sons. When Egypt died upon the shore, far greater the joy when the Redeemer's foe lay crushed in the dust. Jesus strides forth as the victor, conqueror of death, hell, and all opposing might. He bursts the bands of death, tramples the power of darkness down, and lives forever. He, my gracious surety, apprehended for payment of my debt, comes forth from the prison house of the grave, free and triumphant over sin, Satan, and death. Show me herein the proof that his vicarious offering is accepted, that the claims of justice are satisfied, that the devil's scepter is shivered, that his wrongful throne is leveled. Give me the assurance that in Christ I died. In him I rose, in his life I live, in his victory I triumph, in his ascension I shall be glorified, adorable Redeemer. Thou who hast lifted up upon a cross, art ascended to highest heaven. Thou who as man of sorrows was cast, was crowned with thorns, art now as Lord of life, wreathed with glory, once no shame more deep than thine, no agony more bitter, no death more cruel, now no exaltation more high, no life more glorious, no advocate more effective. Thou art in the triumph car leading captive thine enemies behind thee. What more could be done than thou hast done? Thy death is my life, thy resurrection my peace, thy ascension my hope, thy prayers my comfort. Amen. If you believe the resurrection is true, 
or have questions about its validity or just thought, <laughs> Easter, I'll just go to church this morning. My hope and prayer is that you will continue the, to consider the good news. Believe it. And you would join us as a body of believers consistently reminding each other of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins. We saw in verse 3 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, and we talked about that on Good Friday. A holy God must justly punish sin. So Jesus himself took the wrath of God on uh, for us in his death. Paul said of the gospel is of first importance, and Good Friday is where it starts, and Easter is where we are today. So back in 2004, I watched something amazing happen. I watched not only the Red Sox come back from three games down in the ALCS to beat the Yankees, and yes, I do hate the Yankees with you, but I saw them reverse the curse of the Bambino. For 86 years, the Red Sox fans believed in a bad omen, and the team was cursed for trading Babe Ruth. For 86 years, the Red Sox didn't win a World Series, but in 2004, the curse was broken. And I can only imagine how some of you celebrated. The resurrection of Jesus breaks an even greater curse. The curse is true. For thousands of years, God's people waited for the resurrection, the day of resurrection. It causes an even greater celebration. With Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the curse of Adam's sin upon all of humanity is undone for those who believe. So let's let Paul explain as he continues his argument. After Jesus died, he was buried and he rose. Let's start in verse 12 and see the truth of the resurrected life. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We were even found to be misrepresenting God because we tes testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who are, have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom of God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says, all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. When he all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will be also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the, if the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on be their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, but my pride, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. 
What do I gain? If humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company rural ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as it is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to their shame. Jesus didn't pass out or remain in a coma for three days. He died. And on Easter Sunday, his lifeless body was overcome by the power of God, raising, rising from the dead. This is of first importance, and this is true. In Mark 9, 31, this took place, for he was teaching with his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. And so Jesus' death is unlike all others who have walked this earth. Many others died in a gruesome death on a cross, but Jesus' death is for our sins. Few question his death, but many question his resurrection, which gives truth to why he died for our sins. Paul's faith, the faith of the Corinthian church, and our faith rests on the truth of the resurrection. We trust the word of God and the proclamation of the gospel, that he died for our sins, and on the third day he rose. If he didn't raise, he would be a liar. The resurrection of Jesus is true, delivering us from our greatest enemies of Satan and sin and death. Verse 17 says he defeated our sins, dying for them. He defeated death for us in verse 22. He put Satan and our enemies to open shame in verse 23. Jesus' substitutionary death in our place on the cross pays the penalty for our sins justly paying the consequences of our sins. Jesus' victorious resurrection seals our salvation, guarantees our deliverance, proving He is God. We can trust this truth. When God says He will save us from our sins by believing in Jesus, He will save us from our sins. Paul told the Roman church this in Romans 6, 3, and 4, Do, not, do you not know that if all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus' resurrection becomes the first fruits of us who, for those who would rise from the dead. That's us. Rising from the grave, he conquered death. And this is the first of a kind resurrection. Not just first in chronological order, but first fruits, as Paul says in verse 20, where others have risen from the dead. We see in the Gospels the resurrection of the Son of God is different. This resurrection shows us God's character and leads to our own resurrection as subsequent fruit. Jesus' resurrection is not simply God saying, whoops, after he died. God saying, I didn't mean for that to happen. I'll rescue him or I'll resuscitate him. God's hand in resurrecting Jesus becomes the beginning of God's renewal and restoration of all things. It was all part of God's plan, even back in Genesis 3. If you're familiar with that, you can turn there. But in Genesis 3.15, in the cursing of the serpent, after the serpent deceived Eve and she ate of the fruit, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Where life is filled with bruises, stubbing your toes, trees smacking you in the face as you walk through the woods or the corner of the table in the darkness of a room, those bruises in some sense are quickly recoverable. Painful, but recoverable. But the English term bruise in Genesis 3 is too soft in my mind. The Hebrew 
word means more like a tight, hard grip, like crushing, that God will crush the serpent. The truth is, Jesus has crushed the serpent. Friends, the war is over, and Jesus' resurrection isn't a lack of power. Christ is Lord and God, but while the Father and Son are one, the Father raises the Son as fulfillment of everything we've been told would happen in the Word of God. Doubts exist today. And during Jesus' earthly ministry, folks doubted He would defeat earthly enemies, that He could heal the sick or even forgive sins. The truth of resurrection is that the kingdom of God is here. God has always ruled. God has always reigned. But now the kingdom is realized. The truth of the resurrection is here. Validated. Our doubts should go away. The truth of Jesus' resurrection means there's more fruit to come. First fruits means more fruit would follow. And as believers, Christ's followers are resurrected. Sin is defeated. Our death is given eternal life. We are saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. Friends, we have a hope that that is true now. Jesus prays in John chapter 17, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Our eternal, endless, resurrected life begins at the moment of our true belief. Not just when we die, the infinite timeline of our lives going on into eternity is now in Christ as opposed to being in our forefather, Adam. Adam's seed goes down to everlasting punishment and Jesus' seed goes up to everlasting life. The truth of the resurrection provides transformation. Transformation on how we live. And Paul says we are no longer in our sins so we can be holy for God is holy. Paul wants us to remember the truth of the resurrection, answering the question, what if it didn't happen? You won't be raised. You're still in your sins. You are to be pitied. And next we will see the transformation of the resurrection is more than just no longer being in sin. Friends, everything changes. Look at verse 35. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What, do you, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen into each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, and there is one kind of humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one of kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, another the glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, and for stars differ from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised to glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, and was as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust. And is the man of heaven, 
so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so we also shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Paul again addresses some mistaken understanding. Paul lays out the truth of the resurrected life, but he lays out the truth of the transformed life in Christ since we are resurrected with him. We have lots of questions. How can silence be deafening? How can a freezer burn? How does something become old news? How does it work if it's our only choice? What does a resurrection body look like? Paul's being proactive. Paul describes how the resurrection transforms us. Paul uses concepts in the normal world to direct their thoughts. And there's a continuity with the life to come, with the world we live in now. But there's also discontinuities because things will change. A butterfly has the same DNA as the caterpillar it came from, but it clearly looks different. Friends, we live in reality, not possibilities. We live in truth, not falsehoods. We live in a real world, not speculation. And Paul explains that the transformation comes by starting with creation. The days of creation, to be specific, humans are primary in God's order, so they are first. But he also follows up with plants and trees, birds and fish, heavenly lights like the sun, moon, and stars. There's continuity in the new creation with what is initially intended. And even more so, will man be transformed by what God initially, to what God initially created as good? By believing the good news. God saves sinners to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Where negative things of the fall show the discontinuity. By not believing, we perish and pass away, in verse 42. By not believing, we have dishonor or are unworthy, in verse 43. By not believing, we are unworthy because of our sin and remain in a natural, perishable body, in verse 44. But by believing the gospel, discontinuity becomes good news. In the resurrection of Jesus, our bodies transform, in 42, or become imperishable, not wasting away, in 43, are honored and glorified, in 44, and raised to spiritual life. There's another reason why the gospel is good news. Not only does God deliver us from our enemies of Satan and sin and death, but he restores everything back to God's original design in the garden. We look forward to that day. The first fruits start now, and we look forward to the harvest in the life to come. We are saved. We're being saved. We will be saved. All pass away. But verse 49 says, Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. God breathes new life into us, like he breathed life into Adam the day he was created. The resurrection provides hope of transformation, and without it, we would still be in our sins. The truth of the resurrection is the basis for our transformation, but it's grounded in triumph. Friends, Jesus conquered the grave. Look at verse 50 as we finish up. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit the imperishable. Excuse me. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, 
And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The resurrection is true. The resurrection transforms. The resurrection is triumphant. One pastor I, I saw said this this week, Jesus was not exaggerating what he claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6, Easter confirms it's true. Many accuse the church of arrogance. How can you know that this is true? Paul addressed it because we know he died, he was buried, and he rose, and many saw him. It's true. But for Paul, the resurrection is not just a resuscitation. Jesus wasn't just in a coma. It also transforms. Flesh and blood don't inherit. Imperishable does in verse 50. Jesus' resurrection resurrects us imperishable. We are raised with Christ, like his baptism signifies burying himself under the water raising up above the water to newness of life, where we are sealed with the Spirit, Paul told the Ephesians, and our redemption as God's children has been fully won and consummated through the triumphant resurrection of Jesus for those who believe as fully guaranteed. Our faith is not in vain because Jesus rose from the dead. It's true, it transforms because of Jesus' triumph. Jesus' earthly defeat turned to eternal triumph. And Paul continues by talking about the language of inheritance in verse 50. In the Old Testament of Jewish theology, inheritance was of utmost importance. And through Jesus, we have the, lamb inher the only inheritance we need. In, resurrec in, resurrection. in Revelation 5, the Lamb who was slain and now victorious is said to have been made us, have, to said to have made us a kingdom of priests to reign with our God. And grace does not require a response, does, does, not much, does not so much require a response, it enkindles a response, as one commentator suggested. It lights a response on fire. It enkindles it. On May 8, 1945, the day that victory in Europe was won, news reached the U.S. and that the war was over in Europe. You've all seen the photos. The streets of the cities were littered and flooded with people, and they couldn't help but go outside to cheer and to shout. Victory had been won, and their response was lit on fire. And we rejoice in that which is worth rejoicing in. C.S. Lewis said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is appointed to a consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it, it is expressed. It is frustrating to come suddenly at the turn of a road upon the mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in a ditch. 
to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. Imagine leaf peepers coming to fall into Vermont and not to look at the foliage, but to look at the trash on the side of the road. Friends, our resurrected Savior is worth rejoicing over. Our chant is in verse 54 and 55. Death is swallowed up in victory. Of death, where is your victory? Of death, where is your sting? Jesus triumphs over death with an overwhelming force as a tornado ripping through a town or a tsunami engulfing a beach. Sin leads to death, but Jesus' resurrection swallows it. Death stings, but Jesus' resurrection swallows the pain. Peter used the illustration of a devil roaming around like a roaring lion in 1 Peter 5. But here Paul was saying that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, that he swallows the prey of death as if there's no trace of the existence left behind. Think of a lion eating a little mouse. Easy peasy. Friends, God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the gospel. That's what we celebrate. It's true. It transforms because Jesus has triumphed. And our immediate response is gratitude. Verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. His victory gives us victory as first fruits of the resurrection. Paul's final words, therefore, in light of everything you've heard, be steadfast. Continue, be strong, be immovable, stand on this rock of your salvation, the same rock Jesus said he would build his church on. Stand on that. Don't be moved. When the tornado comes through, stand on the truth of the gospel and be steadfast. Abound in the work. Abounding is like an overflowing sap bucket, not with a slow drip, but with a fire hose of sap. Overflow with joy. Overflow with triumphant chance. He has overcome. He has won the battle. He has delivered us. And I have good news for you. God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. All we have to do is believe. Believe he takes our sin. Believe he has risen. He will save you from your sins. That is true victory. We are powerless. The resurrection reminds us of this. We cannot save ourselves, and so our boast is only in Christ, Jesus our Lord. God saves sinners. We don't save ourselves. We fall on our faces and we worship. We are pilgrims being ready to be called home at any moment. It's true. It transforms. Jesus is triumphant, and we should be thankful. It's the gospel. The God, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And so let's thankfully worship Him because of what He has done for us. Father, we thank You for the truth of the resurrection. We thank You for the way that it transforms us. We thank You for Your Son triumphing over the grave to give us victory. Would you help us to be steadfast? Would you help us to be thankful? Would you help us to worship you? And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.